0: Good morning. Good campers. morning, campers. Today's activities include a murder. Well, several, mur- something like eight murders. Yeah, eight of them.
1: <laughs> yeah, this movie's technically a slasher film. <laughs> Lunch today will be moves and boops. And to end the night, we will be,
0: well, exploding all of the. <laughs> oh my God. Exploding all of the uh, suspects. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so put on your sunscreen bug spray and camp uniform as we dive into a shot in the dark a
0: shot in the dark and you're to
1: blame mariska hargitay sarah <laughs> mariska hargitay sammy
0: i am your camp counselor sammy pro bodybuilder and training and current drag queen
1: And I'm camp counselor, Sarah. I am actually not the murderer, as surprising as that may be. And we're here to ask, is it camp? We're diving into popular culture of all kinds to loosely identify what makes something camp.
0: We are not here to be the definitive experts on it, but rather just talk about this often overlooked and frankly queer subgenre. And uh, welcome back to another Blake Edwards film and the second film in the Pink Panther series.
1: Yay! Yay! Uh, if you guys have not listened to our last Pink Panther episode on the first movie, um, I had never seen these movies and Sam grew up watching them. So, had you seen this one as often as The Pink Panther?
0: No, oddly enough, this was one that I think I may have only seen twice before, but I remember certain things from it. Uh, Mm -hmm. but there were other Pink Panther movies I think are more successful in what they're trying to do this Mm -hmm. this movie is good I enjoy it but I think Mm -hmm. compared to later entries uh, it just misses the mark a bit there's there's
1: that's fascinating because me coming to this from Pink Panther I'm like there's a big difference between these two films and i didn't know whether the rest of the series was going to be more like the pink panther or more like a shot in the dark
0: uh it they kind of become their own thing in a way where it is <gasps> a secret third thing yeah it's it's cluso every single time mm-hmm. uh, doing stuff but he, he kind of takes on this James Bond role, not where he's a <laughs> secret agent, but that he's still, you know, Inspector Clouseau, but it does become this globe-trotting, uh, there's an incident, and somehow he becomes involved. I think it generally starts like, oh, it's a small-scale thing he's investigating, and then it turns out it's a much larger problem, like international uh, gun smuggling, or uh, a supervillain is threatening to blow up the UN with a, a death ray, right? Like, it gets wildly off the rails kind of stuff.
1: <laughs> it's funny you mentioned James Bond because at a certain point in this film, uh, I was like, oh, this is Austin. This is where Austin Powers comes from. Ooh. This is more Austin Powers than James Bond is. Uh, Yes and no, there is a James Bond film that is far more
0: Austin Powers. That is the original Casino Royale, which I did watch a few years ago. And when I saw it, I was like, oh, this is Austin Powers.
1: (laughs) It's like when we were watching Cabinet of Dr. Caligari for the first time in film class, and we were like, "Uh, Tim Burton owes somebody a lot of money. I don't know who, (laughs) but... Some
0: dead German desperately needs that Tim Burton money. Yeah. Wow, it's just... Yeah, so, you know, the the first film in the Pink Panther series is very much its own thing of, you know, it's, Mm -hmm. it's a bit of a farce, it's a bit of a heist, and, you know, comedy of errors kind of stuff. This second one becomes far more focused upon Clouseau, to the point mm-hmm. of there are some scenes I think in this film really could have been tightened up where they were just like let's let Peter Sellers just do his shit on screen and we'll film it and then we'll just stick it in the movie and some of the jokes I feel like okay this, this went on a little bit longer than I think it should have we got the point he's he's a clumsy idiot uh, and then in subsequent
1: Yeah we did not watch <laughs> this movie in its ideal setting which would be a movie theater Full of other people, and
0: then subsequent films will lean more into the. uh, That this is the first one where they kind of uh, bring in the uh, the Bond girl. Every movie he gets a girl, Mm. right? And one of them is Diane. Oh, okay. And it's always like, oh, yeah, this super sexy lady and this absolute bumpkin of a man and, you know, international intrigue and solving things. And, well, he's not solving things. He's always just lucking into it. (laughs) Uh yeah, so it's, it's interesting. Well, when we, when we get to the end of uh, this episode, we'll see if you and I want to continue further with this, maybe next year and such. But
1: for now, mm-hmm. do you want to talk a bit of background? Let's do it. I'm curious about what you uh, selected for this episode. Okay,
0: so one of the few things I actually remembered from this film, because like I said, I didn't... This was one of the ones that I watched the least. And so it's overall impact on me. Like, I knew there was a murder, and I knew there was this uh, this lovely building that they keep returning to. You know, multi-story, mm-hmm. single-shot camera stuff that they, Blake Edwards was doing, which I think is fantastic. Oh,
1: my God. We are going to talk about that
0: one or Holy shit. Yeah, it's so good. It's so goddamn good. Like, the whole opening scene of this movie is just like, oh, my God. You... Fuck yeah, hell yeah, Blake Edwards, flex that muscle But You didn't have to go this hard But the one thing that always stood out in my mind Was the nudist mm-hmm. park Yes! So we're going to talk about naturism
1: Yes, okay You know, it's funny because I started to look up Uh, naturism while I was watching this movie because there's a famous um, beach in Vancouver that uh, it's called Wreck Beach. And it's like one of those things you grow up in BC, you know that Wreck Beach is a nude beach. And I was like, how did it become that way? So I was looking it up. And the reason is it's because um, it's like, it's like a little cove. It's like hidden and you can only Mm. access it through a trail that's like 500 steps long. Mm. So if you want a private place, that's the perfect one. And, and so, yeah, I was like, how do you like have a nudist beach in the middle of one of the biggest cities in the country? That's how.
0: That's how. Yeah. Uh, hidden away is generally the thing because nudists are not, well, nudists slash naturists are not exhibitionists, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's not about like, hell yeah, dick and tits out.
1: Yeah, it's not like a a kink thing.
0: No, no. So naturism, as I'll generally call it in this this part, is the lifestyle of practicing non-sexual social nudity in private and public. Mm -hmm. This also refers to the social movement that defends this lifestyle, right? So naturism Mm -hmm. being like, yeah, no, this is a healthy thing. This is something that we want to do. We choose to do. Nudism, as a word, emphasizes the practice of nudity, but naturism mm-hmm. emphasizes the practice in harmony with nature and the environment.
1: So it's not you're not necessarily practicing uh, naturism in your apartment. That's not the point of it.
0: Yes, that's that's exactly it. Right, you can be a naturist and practice nudity. You could be a nudist, but not practice naturism, right? If you like hanging mm-hmm. out around your place in the nude, great, awesome. If you like doing it in a nice secluded beach or or a forest somewhere, that's more naturism, right? Getting yourself in oh, cool. tune okay. with the environment, right? I mean, you can also be a naturist, and you don't have to take off your clothes too. It's just, yeah.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It's, it's a choice, right? It's all a choice. So this is why so many naturism colonies or retreats are in natural areas like campgrounds and beaches. Mm-hmm. Right? You don't really hear of like a, a naturist colony that's, you know, it's 15 minutes outside the city. You go down Wartaw Road, right? Yeah, yeah, it's right there. Right? It'll be like <laughs> yeah. in a forest, a
1: campground. Just go up to the roof. (laughs) It's on the fourth floor, and we're all doing naturism on the roof.
0: Yeah, exactly. Naturism goes with many different philosophies and cultures as well, making it an oddity in that there's no one way to practice it. There's no one unifying idea, right? I mean, nudity is about, like, yeah, take off your clothes, live in the nude. But naturism (laughs) can change from place to place depending upon... You know, just general practices, general uh, cultural touchstones, right? So, nudity in history has been practiced by many cultures throughout time. Huh, turns out clothes didn't just suddenly exist when our genitals did.
1: (laughs) But I was told that Adam and Eve were ashamed.
0: They were super shamed by a dusty old book full of terrible ideas and some good ones.
1: You know, I don't even know where I would find a fig leaf if I was looking to get one. Uh, I could find
0: a fig newton.
1: <laughs> yeah, I could put a box of fig newtons <laughs> I could get <laughs> for me. several
0: boxes of fig newtons for all kinds of body parts. A whole costume <laughs> of Fig Newton boxes.
1: You're like pulling Fig Newton costumes off the rack.
0: And this one's especially crinkly. Yeah. My my Pinterest board is all Fig Newtons and people are like, "Oh, you love cooking." And I'm like, "Nope, I love hiding my junk." <laughs> uh, <laughs> What's wrong with us? All right. So, in Western cultures, <laughs> social nudity is often practiced in terms of bathing, cleaning, and relaxing. So, think of, you know, swimming at the beach or uh, saunas, right? Uh-huh. It's, it's encouraged, it's something that is just how it's done. But throughout history, and still in many warmer climates, nudity is also practiced within uh, physical exertion, like sports. Mm-hmm. Right, so the, the original Olympic... You're, uh,
1: you're classic wrestling.
0: Yeah, Greco-Roman wrestling, right? And it's it's not so much... Yeah, okay, maybe the odd person here and there is getting off on it, where they're like, yeah, I love having a big sweaty nude boy press up against me. But for a lot of it, it is just... You
1: are the odd person, Sam. <laughs>
0: quiet, quiet, no one should know my secret very loud, <laughs> loud shames. <laughs> <laughs> uh but for for a lot of it, it is within these competitions within these sports uh why would you wear clothes a thing that people can grab and uh knock you down with right mm. yeah, being nude is easier then you're you're slippy Ooh.
1: Mm-hmm. So uh like first... people used to swim nude all the time because the time. um when before you had um artificial fibers, basically like cotton would drag you down because cotton gets really heavy, and wool has these little fibers that would get off and basically like clog the filter on pools. So it was totally normal to go to the YMCA and everybody would be nude. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Uh, So the first use of the word naturism, or naturisme, was in 1778 by Belgian Jean-Baptiste Luc Planchon, ...who advocated nudism as a means of improving healthy living.
1: Yeah, this is the Enlightenment. They're like, what if we didn't swill sewage all the time?
0: Yeah, what if... What if we tried
1: to do things nice to our body? (laughs) What if we took care of this
0: flesh vehicle that we're stuck within? (laughs) It's a bizarre, bizarre concept. What you
1: help? I'm trapped in a depression making factory.
0: (laughs) What do you mean? I don't have to smell all the time. So, the earliest known naturist club in the West was founded in 1891 in British India, known as this is great the Fellowship of the Naked Trust.
1: Be more English, I dare you.
0: You have my axe and my bow and my big swinging dick.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It's not gay if the colonialist dicks don't touch.
0: Yeah. So... This was founded by... You thought that name was British? Wait until you hear this name. Okay. It was founded by Charles Edward Gordon Crawford.
1: (laughs) I had no indication of when that name was going to end.
0: And he was a Districts and Sessions Judge for the Bombay Civil Service.
1: Oh, this tracks. Pervert. Pervert. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I, I don't actually think haters are perverts. By the way, I do think judges are probably perverts, especially during the Raj. <laughs> uh, so, small problem with
0: uh, the Fellowship of the Naked Trust. Uh, it only lasted three years because of uh, mm-hmm. one small problem. It only had three members: Crawford and two <laughs> sons of an Anglican missionary. <laughs>
1: This sounds, this sounds like like a threes company style date that went wrong. Like, oh yeah, cool, I'll bring my brother along. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, and uh, it only dissolved because Crawford moved away.
1: <laughs> yeah, this was yeah, definitely yeah. Uh, a hookup went wrong, and he's like, I guess I'm gonna do this for three more years.
0: And then once it was over, the brothers were like, oh, thank God. All right, I don't got to see your dick no more. (laughs) Mm. So in Germany, the term Nachtkultur was coined in scientific papers by Dr. Heinrich Pudor in 1902. And in 1906, he wrote a three-volume treatise on the term Advocating for the Benefits of Nudity in Education and Sports.
1: I, this is volunteers. some This is an aspect of it that I actually knew a little bit about. Um, I read a book. God, it's killing me. I can't remember the title. It's called, like, Strangers in the Reich or something like that about um, foreigners in Germany at the outbreak of World War II. And one of the things was, like, shock at how happy and everyday the Germans found naturism. Like, it was very common to, like, come across a tennis game in the nude, was one of the examples in the book.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, Even so far, uh, let's see. Richard Ungwitter, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, I apologize to anyone. Uh, also proposed the combining of fresh air, sunlight, and physical fitness with nudism in order to promote mental and psychological fitness. Physiological. I don't know why I said psychological. Hmm. Physiological. So the wide publication of these papers led to an explosion in nudist and naturist philosophy. And in 1903, the first large-scale club for nudists opened near Hamburg called Freilichtpark, or Free Light Park. Hmm. Yeah, look at those Germans, being advanced in some ways and a little bit backwards in others.
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, you, I need to take back my previous statement that you've got to hand it to the Germans of the 1930s. <laughs> uh, in 1919,
0: it was discovered that sunlight aided in the curing of uh, rickets and children. So this also helped spread that sunlight could improve health. And what better way to get more sunlight than to take off all your clothes in the wild? Sun your butthole. Yeah, yeah. That's why we're sunning our buttholes now. Or um, Oh, what's that thing that all those right-wing idiots were doing? Oh, they were tanning their testicles.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. The most delicate skin on your body. Get some UV rays on that.
0: Not my testicle skin Mine is like rhino skin I don't know why I'm describing (laughs) this That's horrible (laughs) Any cute guys listening It is not like rhino skin Trust me
1: Investigate for yourself Mm -hmm. Why don't you come over here and find out
0: (laughs) So, naturism spread out across Europe in the 20s. So, places like France, uh, England, Belgium, all over the place. And the movement took hold in the U.S. in the 1930s, where more parks opening. In general, like, more parks were opening, period, because, hey, presidents started (laughs) discovering, cool, having national parks and shit, that's great for us. Yeah, it
1: turns out if you invest money in your people's well-being, you see tangible results.
0: Yeah, with all these parks opening, you know, uh, naturists and nudists were able to be like, uh, hey, can we have little designated areas where we can just do cool nature stuff and take off our clothes? They were like, yeah, sure. Mm -hmm. Why not? Uh, This was also... During a time where the sense of improving one health, one's health through healthy eating and being in natural environments in general, is good. Weird. Yeah. Fresh air. We, good we food. We don't know it...
1: what stops the black lung. I guess eating broccoli does it.
0: Gosh, breathing nice clean air instead of the dusty, dusty, smoke-filled shit in the city—that makes me feel better. Weird.
1: We'll never know why.
0: Mm-hmm. So through this this expanding into national parks and stuff, the ideas of nudity and natural communi- communion became more linked, right? Mm-hmm. So in nineteen fifty one, the International Naturism Federation was established because of all the rise in all these parks all over the world and in various international bodies that they decided hey what if we uh, what if we all work together turns out it's good so these locations uh, that were opening for naturism began to expand into holiday resorts beaches and actually very recently cruise ships
1: oh that makes sense yeah
0: yeah We're on a boat in the middle of the ocean Nobody's going to wander into anything Mm -hmm. We all know what we've signed up for Yeah Mm -hmm.
1: If you can have a Weezer cruise There's no reason you can't have a naturism cruise
0: Yeah, I mean, it feels like The lowest on the list of, like, obvious ideas Of like,
1: yeah, it's right there
0: Mm -hmm. So, in the 21st century The number of younger people joining naturist groups Has been declining weird weird this might be linked to a rising conservative ideologies that promote nudity as a taboo as well as the constant conservative ideas that we have to protect the children from anything
1: deemed sexual
0: yeah
1: the naked body is automatically sexual and you also can't sell people shit to improve their body if they're happy with their body
0: Yeah, it's, um, my child should have absolutely no idea what's between their legs, Mm -hmm. and uh, they should Mm -hmm. be immensely shamed for even being curious about it. This will promote good sexual feelings later on in life. (laughs) No way this is going to backfire. Absolutely not. However, this may not be entirely true. While, While that is affecting some young people, uh... We are finding that people in general are becoming more acceptable and tolerant towards alternative life styles and practices, as well as increased ideas around sex positivity. So you've got this sort of widening gyre happening of people on one side being like, hell yeah, be nude. There's nothing inherently sexual about it. And on the other side, people being like, skin in front of my child? Disgusting.
1: More likely than you think.
0: God. If only my child were skinless. Ugh. Like a chicken breast.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's not the nudity that's the problem, it's the skin. (laughs)
0: Uh, It may be because younger generations don't feel the need to join clubs or to go to resorts in order to practice naturism. And, I mean.
1: Yeah, you know, it's a lot easier to find like minded people nowadays.
0: Yeah, I think. Thankfully, with the internet, you can connect easier with these kind of people. Uh, You can practice it in the privacy of your own home. If you happen to have a home to be private in, or if you hate your roommates, (laughs) that's also fine, too. (laughs) But, uh, yeah. In France, though, naturism has actually experienced steady growth in younger generations throughout the 2010s. So... You know, it's, it's odd. It, it is going down in terms of people going to resorts, but that doesn't necessarily mean mm-hmm. that we're regressing in terms of our attitude towards naturism and nudity.
1: Yeah, it's just taking a different shape.
0: hmm So the practice of naturism not only promotes physical well-being, but also it has benefits to mental health because guess what nudity does general casual nudity it promotes positive body image higher self-esteem and greater life satisfaction yeah it leads to acceptance of all kinds of bodies despite age shape fitness and health and that
1: yeah it's um it's interesting because we have such a skewed idea of what the naked body looks like because of the naked bodies sold to us. It's It can be surprising and even shocking to see, like, oh, yeah, this is what normal, everyday grocery store people look like.
0: Mm-hmm. Right? It's, it's no... Uh... It's no mystery of what the human body goes through and how, how different people have different organs, right? Uh, there's this, like, you've seen all the AI crap and the the uh, face-tuning mm. uh, stuff that you can get where it's like, oh, yeah, put this filter on your, your pictures and you'll look great. And it's like, I look at these and they are all the same face. Like, they're tuning everybody's yeah, face yeah. in the same way to look the same. And the truth of the matter is we don't all have the same body features, let alone facial features. So yeah, I, I absolutely understand that, yeah, you know, naturism and and you know casual nudity like that would help in understanding, like, oh, hey, my genitals aren't weird because everybody has different kinds of genitals. I mean, even porn. Porn uh, does a lot of mm-hmm. I I think porn is healthy, people should enjoy it, you know, blah blah blah, but porn stars are ideals, they are impossible standards that average people cannot live up to as well, right? Not every woman has Mm -hmm. breasts like that, not everybody has, you know, primary sexual organs that look and function in those ways, right? That's why a lot of guys get very Mm -hmm. hung up over the idea of like, oh yeah, the size of my penis, and it's like, who cares,
1: Right? Yeah. Just but it's the same to get uh it basically a lot of what reads on camera is what the industry focuses towards and then that becomes the ideal, even though most people are not having sex on camera.
0: Well maybe you aren't. <laughs>
1: I live in a Brian De Palma movie, baby. It's all the time.
0: He's right behind you, Sarah. Look, right over there. <laughs> yeah, but, um, I mean, there, there is criticism of, of naturism and nudis nudity, but generally those criticisms come down to, like, aren't we exposing children to sexual thing? blah, blah, blah. You know, that usual shtick. And yeah. It's like, yeah. it's only sexual if you make it sexual. Right. Yeah. Just, just is like, come on, come on, people. Right, it's a human body. Yeah. Ah, ah. But uh, yeah, it, it's it's cool to learn that kind of stuff, and uh, I think I've got a little bit of a better appreciation for, you know, nudists and naturists in general. I myself am a big old prude about my body, and I also do not want to sunburn on my <laughs> genitals, thank you.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, like, my shoulders and my, the tip of my nose get burned all the time. I'm not sure I'm willing to show off the paler parts.
0: Yeah, I, uh, I am not always great about getting sun lotion on me as as quick as I should. And often I will be a little late to the party, which is why I'm sporting a very lovely tan right now. Ooh. But uh, Mm. I'm the kind of person that at work, I'll be running around and then somebody will be like, you should really put some sunscreen on. I'm like, it's too late for that, thanks.
1: I, um, I was once reading a book at the beach and I was lying on my stomach reading and um, I burned the back of my calves, which I had never done before or since. And uh, when you get a burn in a new area of your body, hoo-wee! <laughs> oh, it's not fun.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, the calf tattoo that I had, I have. Is, I, I would explain it to people as, yeah, this, uh, this tattoo is probably the most painful one I have in terms of afterwards, like getting the tattoo done was fine, but the healing process uh-huh. because it felt like a very bad sunburn that would not go away. Oof. Yeah, but now I've got this cool tattoo. Yeah. Also cover your. What
1: is your calf tattoo? Uh,
0: it is uh, the uh, it's the the chest piece from Midnighter, who's basically like a gay murder Batman. He he doesn't murder gay. <laughs> yeah, that fits. He doesn't murder gay people. He's gay and he murders people. <laughs>
1: Uh, were you going to say cover your tattoos in the sunshine? Yes,
0: cover. Uh, please put on sunscreen on top of your tattoos.
1: Also, if you are on an SSRI, you are more sensitive to sun. Uh, be careful out there, guys.
0: Yeah, uh, don't tan your taint. Don't tan your testicles. Uh, I, I can't believe it's 2023 and we have to say this to people, but um, no, don't.
1: Is there a way of bringing the bleach inside the body?
0: I saw you doing the math there. And uh, you know what? (laughs) Just for you, I think we found a way. But for you only. Talk to me after class.
1: I I think it's really... The cool thing about getting older is learning so much more and stuff like bodybuilding or naturism that we only really know growing up as like jokes about subcultures you can learn about and you're like oh mm-hmm. yeah the world is so much bigger than I thought it was
0: yeah like I remember in high school meeting uh, having two friends their sisters their twins and they casually mentioned like oh yeah our family on the weekends we don't wear clothes we just don't We never have Like if people are coming mm-hmm. over Then yes absolutely 100% Because Yeah you know, They're not consenting to Walking into that But if they know It's just gonna be the four of them Hanging out around the house They don't see any reason to And You know I mm-hmm. remember back then Being like Ooh that's weird But now as an adult Being like So what Who cares They're they're Yeah Four consenting people In a familial situation And this just seems like a natural part of what they've been doing for their whole lives. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Campers, if you have experience with naturism, let us know.
0: Yeah. It's uh, or any fun, cool stories involving it. Like not like, oh no, uh, I accidentally brushed up against some poison ivy, at which point I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry, that sounds awful. <laughs>
1: You've got to think that the naturist camps do, do like a, a triple sweep for poison ivy.
0: Yeah, or at least put up, you know, all kinds of warnings of like, hey, uh, super stay away from this area. Do not touch these kinds of leaves.
1: Do you think that they go in and there's like a rack of guitars hanging up so you can shield your shame as you walk through the naturist, uh camp?
0: No, the guitars are only for visitors.
1: <laughs> Guitars for visitors only. <laughs> Bring your own guitar or ukulele, you know, we're not judging. No, nope,
0: no, nope. or um at any number up, upright bass if if that's what you got to work yep. with. <laughs> all all sizes, shapes are welcome. Uh. Anyway, if, if you guys... Well,
1: shall we jump into the plot of A Shot in the Dark? Yeah, if
0: you guys haven't seen the movie, there's a reason I'm talking about nudism and naturism right now, so... <laughs> this will make sense shortly.
1: Okay. So, we, uh, speaking of naturism, we open the movie with, uh, Blake Edwards just taking his dick out and showing it to the entire audience and saying, look how big it is! Because I'm gonna do a one for the entire opening.
0: I think there are some cuts in it, but they're so few and far between mm-hmm. and so expertly done in terms of not being jarring compared to the rest of it that, yeah, it it's so easy to think that this entire opening thing is just a one shot.
1: We are in, I don't know, the courtyard, the parking lot, whatever you would call it, of like a big country house. And we see people going from room to room And turning off and turning on lights And sneaking bottles of champagne And like, yeah, like it's a French country house
0: Hmm. It's, it's uh, um, no- Nothing is said The entire thing is over um, mm-hmm. uh, A lovely song, actually It's uh, Yeah Paris and Shadows, is that what it was called? I can't remember
1: yeah, something like that. It's Henry Mancini. I think Mancini did the music for all of these movies, at least so far. And like it's Henry Mancini, you can't really go wrong.
0: No. Wait, any relation to Don Mancini? Let me look it up. Who's Don Mancini? Don Mancini is the writer and creator of Child's Play, the Chucky series, and he Oh, okay. But he is n- not even just like the, the creator, he's the guy who uh, basically wrote every single one of the movies except for the AI remake one and uh, then the entire TV show. So it has, it's, it's a real oddity in the, um, the horror sort of oeuvre. And that it has a... Sp-
1: it hasn't been passed from hand to hand.
0: Exactly. So everything that's happened in the series has been through his own whims and desires. It's never been like, wow, that movie took a weird turn. Oh, it's because this new guy started writing it and he wanted to put time travel into it. This one instead is like, oh, that took a weird turn. Yep, that tracks. He's been doing that since the beginning. Weird turns aplenty.
1: An auteur! Any connection?
0: I'm looking at, uh. Oh, man. Uh, uh, uh... Mm, Doesn't look like it.
1: Boo. Might just be coincidence. Anyway, continue. Uh. So we have the titular shot in the dark. There's actually four shots in the dark. And we discover that there's been a murder. A murder. <laughs> uh, Inspector Clouseau is dispatched. Uh, this is the house of a very rich man, Benjamin Bannon played by George Sanders. Um, in case you're like me and you had to look this up halfway through, uh, he is best known to me for being the voice of Sher Khan. And what a voice it is. Oh. I just want, uh, I want to lie in a hammock of George Sanders' voice. Good Lord. Yes.
0: Oh, that's why it was scratching the back of my head. I'm just like, I know this guy. What do I know him? Why is it so familiar? And now that you've put Shere Khan, I'm like, oh, of course, yes, that that explains the dulcet tones.
1: <laughs> to give you guys a comparison, if you if you can't picture John uh, George Sanders' voice, or if you haven't seen the, uh, the Jungle Book in a while, um, in the remake, Shere Khan was voiced by Idris Elba. So, like, this is the same um, mode we are going for. There is purring. Yeah, v- but anyway, vocal uh, Miguel has been shot and killed. Yeah. <laughs> Miguel has been shot and killed in the bedroom of Maria Gambrelli, who is our lead for this film other than Clouseau. Mm hmm. Uh, I think this actress is very funny. Her name is Elka Summer. Um, She doesn't get to be like as outwardly funny as Peter Sellers, but she's great throughout. Apparently she shows up in another one of the Pink Panther movies later on, and she had an extremely successful comedy career, which I was very glad to see, because um, that often doesn't happen when you are watching uh, a film from the 60s.
0: Yeah, she's very winsome, right? That She has this natural charm and uh she's it's not that she's bright and bubbly she's not naive she's just a very affable character you just inherently want to like her
1: yeah she's so. got uh, she's got charisma mm-hmm yeah so inspector cluso shows up uh And he sees Maria Gambrelli, who, it must be said, is a 10 out of 10 dime piece. Good lord.
0: Gorgeous hair. Like, throughout the whole movie, she goes through several different hairstyles. Well, it's one hairstyle done different ways. But each time, I'm just like, Mm -hmm. I don't know how they're doing this. It looks great. Uh, Some hairstyles from the 60s do not age well, where you think like, oh, god, that's just a helmet. You're wearing a helmet. But if I saw somebody wearing this kind of hairstyle now, I'd be like, hell yeah, that's that's fucking great. Bring this back.
1: Oh yeah. There's gotta be like scaffolding under her hair because it's so big and there's like, um, it's like she's got like a big bump under it or something to give it structure but it looks fantastic.
0: hmm
1: Anyway, Clouseau doesn't think that she's the murderer uh, despite the fact that she is found in the room pointing the gun at him. The gun is still smoking. <laughs> and they were having an affair.
0: <laughs> yeah, there's um, there's a whole lot pointed towards her as the murderer.
1: Uh, she says it couldn't possibly be her because she doesn't remember it. She, she received a bump on the head and when she woke up, she was holding the gun in her hand and Miguel was dead.
0: Hmm pretty suspicious
1: (laughs) this is also when we get the introduction of uh Hercule who we have seen before this actor do you remember where we saw Graham Stark before no where he was in Victor Victoria he is the French waiter Uh, And I am so glad because we pointed him out as being especially funny in that movie and that we were surprised that he was English.
0: Oh, excellent. Yeah, Blake Edwards is very much a I'll return to the well of people I enjoy working with.
1: Yeah. Uh, Hercule has like five lines in this movie. He's just... uh, He's just giving the camera the old do you see what I have to put up with the whole time as... Um Clouseau is forced to make like more and more wildly crazy schemes to pretend that uh, Maria is not the killer. Yeah, and and saying that he
0: has five lines. Uh it's not that he's rarely in it. He's he's throughout most of the film. He's just doing a lot of you know the eye rolling, mugging kind of stuff for the camera. He's um harpoing.
1: Yes. Yes. Uh, We also get the introduction of Commissioner Dreyfus, who is uh, Clouseau's boss. He finds out that this is, in fact, a murder at a very fancy man, a a millionaire's home. And unfortunately, he discovers that Clouseau has already been assigned to the case. Oh no!
0: So do you like the character of uh, Dreyfus?
1: I think that I don't know. Again, it's really hard to judge how this would play in a theater of full people, because um, it feels like he's playing the same instrument as Peter Sellers, but in a different key, if that makes sense. And like when you have Peter Sellers on screen, he's kind of the only guy who's allowed to Peter Sellers. So I, I do think Commissioner Dreyfus is. Funny and the hijinks that he gets into are funny, but I, there was never a moment where I was like, I need to see more Commissioner Dreyfus, which I know is going to be a problem.
0: Yeah, because uh, Commissioner Dreyfus is one of the few recurring characters from film to film, mm-hmm. and uh, it, it becomes a much bigger role as the films continue.
1: Well, considering how beat up he gets in this movie, um, I'm interested to see where they go from here.
0: <laughs> oh, they go places. They go big places. Subtle is not, uh, not in these two characters.
1: Uh, so uh, the commissioner removes Clouseau from the case. And Clouseau returns home uh, because his wife apparently has vanished between films. <laughs> I think.
0: Uh, you know, it's the uh, it's the Bond girl problem of well, what happened to the girl from the previous film? I don't know. She exploded or something.
1: <laughs> yes. So he goes back home to his bachelor pad where he is da 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 attacked. This is I I knew Kato was going to be coming up. This kind of burst the balloon for me. I. I think it probably would have been very, very funny if I hadn't known this was going to be coming up, especially the fact that Cato um, attacks him. The phone rings mid-attack, and Cato answers it and hands it over.
0: So this is this this is where I think so, some of the unfortunate racism starts to come in that I've talked about before. Mm-hmm. Right? Cato uh, is, I mean, just in this film. He is hired by Clouseau to constantly <laughs> attack him, no matter what, no matter when. Make it make it a surprise. You know, keep me on my toes because mm-hmm. Clouseau is so in the mind my- if if Clouseau has anything, it is the the absolute mindless confidence of a cishet white man. <laughs>
1: yes, yes, that's what these movies are about.
0: They they are purely about that, like, oh yeah, I'm great. I'm good at everything. People like me. Women love me. All right. Uh, thankfully, like Clouseau does not veer into creepy territory with that kind of confidence, but uh, the <laughs> the confidence he has of, oh yeah, I hired a. a I, I don't know if he's supposed to be Chinese or Japanese or Korean or whatever, but I'm sure they would have just said,
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, placeless Asian to yeah. <laughs> live in. Ma- I,
1: I, I was giving this movie credits that he is played by an Asian yes. man, you know?
0: Yeah. Unfortunately in, uh, in later films, Clouseau will refer to him by a very terrible sentence. Oh no. Mm-hmm, where he, he says, please do not hate me for repeating this. He will call him my little yellow friend.
1: Oh, wow. Mm. I, I had a bunch of mm. options in mind. Uh, uh, Bert Kwok was born in Lancashire to Chinese parents.
0: Mm, okay. But um, yeah, that's that's kind of the the real albatross of these films I find most mm-hmm. most of it holds up a lot of it has aged fairly well you know it's funny it's slapstick it's you know silliness and then it's still mired in you know the language and casual racism of the time blurg but this idea that he's hired a dude <laughs> to live with him and attack him at, the, at a moment's notice <laughs> i think is hilarious it's so good and they use it to great effect in continuing films. it Sure, yes, it's the same joke, but it's the same joke that'll be done at all kinds of different times in all kinds of different ways.
1: When you come up with that joke as a comedy writer, you've got to do like the Antonio Banderas thing of just <laughs> leading back from your typewriter.
0: Ugh. It's, it's just such a great idea. His, his cishet white man confidence being like, oh yeah, I'll be able to defend myself at a moment's
1: notice, no matter what. (laughs) Uh, so, uh, Ballon, George Sanders, has demanded, uh, through his influence, that Clouseau be put back on the case. Hmm. Uh, despite all of the commissioner's, uh. Um, what's the word I'm looking for here? Uh, Misgivings? Yes. Uh, This is where Clouseau lays out to Hercule that he believes that there is no way that Maria is the killer. She is actually protecting the real killer. Um, It's one of those things where it's like, it's too perfect to be true, (laughs) you know?
0: It is absolutely not like so, by all means all the evidence points towards her. It is simply because Cluso thinks she's cute. Aw. Oh, she is. And she smells good. And she smells good. She had a little burp on her head.
1: <laughs> yeah, this uh this movie doesn't have that like alpine ski lodge look that I loved so much in the first movie, but these movies are still stylish as hell.
0: Mm-hmm. Everybody's dressed to the nines. And of course, Blake Edwards had to find one actress to serve cunt in this film too. And that's the wife of George Sanders. <laughs> and he's just like, yeah, can you walk out? Thank you, yes. Yeah, Can you walk out serving cunt? And she's like, oh, easy.
1: Can you have a ponytail with, like, a big, big gather on the top of your head? Can you be the Veronica of the film?
0: Mm Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, she's just not in the film that much.
1: No, no. I would have really appreciated getting to see more of her, especially because she is so fun and cunty when she's there. Yeah. Uh, so the idea is he has to lure the real killer by getting Maria back out on the streets. So he has her released from prison. Um, I, I thought that this was a bilingual joke because she is released from the prison of the Petit Roquette. Mm-hmm. Which I looked up because Roquette is um, is arugula. <laughs> and I discovered that, in fact, the prison of the Petit Roquette is a real prison in Paris.
0: The tiny arugula uh, prison. I hope you like...
1: It's just so cute!
0: Hope you like salad with your sentence. The
1: lady... (laughs) Yeah, we will put all the the ladies in their matching skirt suits (laughs) while they're awaiting trial.
0: Uh, But, I mean, they're gonna have such good and regular bowel movements, though.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they're getting their greens.
0: They're getting their greens.
1: Yeah. Clouseau is in disguise outside the prison as a balloon seller (laughs) because she walks right by him and doesn't notice the man holding two dozen balloons.
0: This is also a joke that the further films will keep going back to. The idea that Clouseau believes, again, cishet, white confidence, that he is a master of disguise. And this film (laughs) begins with some very like easy disguises later films will evolve to him having full fake prosthetics that he could apply himself coupled with inflatable <laughs> parrots.
1: the the problem is the prison guard walks towards him and says do you have a license to sell those balloons and then the next shot is a prison van going down the streets of paris With the siren blaring They will repeat this shot four times And except for the last one They will reuse the exact same shot Every time I laughed out loud (laughs) Each time
0: Well no no The first one is different as well Because it has all two dozen balloons Hanging out the back of the prison truck (laughs)
1: Like it's going down the same street Every time Oh I loved it just a smash cut to the prison (laughs) fan every time it's so good (sighs) however uh, more murders keep occurring while Maria is out (laughs) So, for example, Clouseau finds her in the greenhouse, stuttering, stammering, holding a pair of bloody gardening shears as George the gardener is found dead. (laughs) Not even a foot away. But
0: Clouseau is still convinced this woman is innocent. She is being framed. This is two bodies in a row with her holding the murder weapon. Are
1: we sure? Yeah. Uh then we see her go to the aforementioned naturist camp where I was like, Oh fuck yes. Because we lost that Alpine Ski Lodge, very artificial look of the first movie. And then this whole thing is the biggest like beach blanket bingo obvious set that you've ever seen. And this set is huge. Um and I was like, "Yes, give me that '60s fakeness back. Give me everything that the '70s were trying to tear down." Mm-hmm. I love this aesthetic.
0: Yeah, it's uh, it's so obvious, but there's a charm to the obviousness of it.
1: <laughs> yes, that's exactly it. It it's like it's two degrees towards that um, that little Abner approach where it's just like. They're not even trying to create the illusion of reality anymore where they just had, like, big colors on the screen and everybody's dancing a ballet. It's, it's around from that. Like, the the, the swimming hole at the naturist camp has, like, 40 liters of water in it.
0: Mm-hmm. I, I, I love that uh, the, at this naturist camp because who can resist having entertainment? They have a full... Big band playing in the nude as well.
1: <laughs> See, it's just like Great Muppet Caper. I was led to believe that there would be like big bands at a lot more events <laughs> in my life. Uh, and this is this is where I um, I was seeing the Austin Powers thing too because uh, they won't let Clouseau in unless he gets completely nude. So he borrows a hippie's guitar and he has to carry the guitar in front of him throughout the camp.
0: Yeah, I I was half expecting more jokes of th- him hiding things or people having things placed in front of them at just the right time for this scene. But I Mm -hmm. don't think we were that far along in the, the, the comedy landscape to be thinking about that kind of stuff.
1: No, instead this, this, there's a lot of uh, carefully placed plants instead. And, just like the one, there's this very long tracking shot following Clouseau as he goes through this camp uh, looking for Maria. That I'm like, damn, you could have done a lot more cuts and made this much easier for yourself. Because there's a lot of people in these scenes. And uh, you need to say that they're naked, but not show anything. So you have a lot of women's shoulder blades. Hmm.
0: <laughs> Oh, those delicious, delicious shoulder blades. <laughs>
1: well, you know, it's the juiciest cut. Mm-hmm. Uh, he eventually finds Maria, of course, <laughs> because she is right next to the body of Dudu, who is, I think, another maid in the house. Sure. Sure. Yeah, Uh, Dudu is found uh, dead in the nudist colony, and then Clouseau decides that he has to get Maria away, but of course, they are both nude. (laughs) So they get into his car, and they have to drive all the way back to his apartment in Paris, where he promptly gets into a a massive traffic jam, and everyone stares into the car.
0: Uh, These two nude weirdos...
1: You know, if Blake Edwards wasn't such a competent comedy director, I would feel like this was a kink thing. But it's, it's, it's like you said about naturism. It doesn't feel that way at any point, uh, in this movie.
0: No, it, there's nothing salacious or sexy about it. And Cluso himself isn't taking it as the opportunity to like leer at at her over her over her body right he he's respectful mm-hmm. yeah we know he's interested in her but at no point during any of this scene does it become like oh i'm just gonna get a quick peek of her butt oh it's a nice butt it's just like uh, no i have a job and uh her nudity has uh, nothing to do with it
1: yeah there's a there's a great bit where they're hiding behind a tree, and she she says something that refers to her naked body, and you just hear the one guitar string twang and that that's like that's like bug's bunny style uh hoardiness,
0: <laughs> yeah, but he's he's on the job, so he knows how he has to mm-hmm. act as well. so i mean yeah it, it's there's some steps forward, the odd step backwards in these films, but I think on the whole. Uh, No pun intended. (laughs) That uh, Blake Blake Edwards is uh, a a pretty rad dude for putting this kind of scene in it and not making it icky. Mm Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, Finally, the body of Henri, another uh, employee, is found in the closet of Maria's bedroom and Clouseau is finally removed from the case again. Poor Dreyfus has been having a nervous breakdown. We are slowly seeing him get more and more unraveled as Clouseau continues to make headlines with how many people are getting murdered in this case.
0: Yeah, he's developed a, an eye twitch. Uh, he's he's stuttering over words. He's he hates Clouseau. so much. Uh,
1: the the movie that makes us sympathize with a French superintendent of the police. I swear to God,
0: <laughs> all cops are bastards slash buffoons.
1: <laughs> All colors are beautiful
0: All colors are beautiful Uh
1: yeah He eventually chops off his own thumb In a cigar guillotine A joke I could have told you Was happening as soon as I saw that Damn thing because it happens in Every movie that those features in But it's a It's a cigar guillotine
0: Why not You know um fun fact Fun <laughs> fact about the guillotine it was used to it was used as part of the death sentence in France up until the
1: 1980s yes yes um because uh for the same reason that it was brought in during the revolution because it was a much more uh both efficient and humane way to kill somebody if there is a humane way to kill somebody
0: mhm yep and that's why i let all of my enemies die via old age, and me spiting them from a distance. <laughs> the most inhumane way to die. Yeah,
1: you took living well is the best revenge, literally. Yes. Mwah. Having a, a, a bite of delicious chocolate cake and going, those fuckers never knew what hit them. <laughs>
0: I look at them slowly aging, and I say, yes, yes, feel the ravages of time. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you, like, see a smile on a child's face in, in the sunshine in the park, and you're like, <laughs> my evil knows no bounds. I'm enjoying this.
0: Yes, one day you'll learn. You'll all learn, because that's what happens over time. Our brains form new pathways.
1: one day we'll all realize our time on this planet is finite and it's just what we make of it
0: Mm Mhm. maybe you'll become a better person
1: (laughs) meanwhile blake edwards has gone holy shit guys my comedy movie doesn't have any musical numbers what are we going to do
0: Hi, I'm... Actually, yeah, this... <laughs> I'm Blake Edwards. Every
1: Blake Edwards movie that we've covered so far has musical numbers. I'm
0: Blake Edwards, and uh, I got a real thing for musical numbers.
1: Yeah, it's like the Marx Brothers, uh, when you mentioned earlier, you know, you you have a scene where the Marx Brothers are doing stuff, and then you do have a scene where uh, a pretty lady sings, and then you get back to the Marx Brothers.
0: Mm-hmm. That way, even ladies can be entertained by these films, right? Ladies don't understand sophisticated (laughs) comedy, but they understand singing.
1: Yes. So Clouseau decides to take Maria out for a a fancy night on the town. And uh, they go basically on a very expensive bar crawl. I didn't realize until the third scene in this sequence that this was all on the same night.
0: Yeah, it's it's wild. Uh, be- they go to three, four different bars.
1: Yeah, they, they're they like in Epcot or something. They're doing uh, drinking around the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, because the first one they go to is Café Ole with <laughs> Spanish dancers. <laughs> oh, I get it.
0: I get that now. Oh, my dumb brain. Oh,
1: my God. Oh my god, it's Cafe Ole! It's Cafe
0: Ole! <laughs> it's Cafe Ole! I just got there. That. There we go. Same time. Look at us go. We're only 40.
1: <laughs> One brain cell
0: shared between the two of us. We're only 50 years behind the film.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: uh, oh. Okay. Yes, Cafe Ole.
1: So they go to Cafe Ole because it's, it's Spanish. Spanish. And they're sitting there, you know, in their red leather bonquettes, again, something I thought was going to happen a lot more often in life, uh, watching the performance, and the guy's going tippy-tappy on his shoes, and just at the right time, uh, a masked hand, a masked hand, a gloved hand. The masks of the hands the are gloves. Hand.
0: Those hands are incognito.
1: <laughs> the gloved face, if you
0: will. Yes. Why gloves are the masks of the hands.
1: (laughs) Peeks out with a silencer, is about to shoot Clouseau and Maria, but just in time, he leans out of the way and he shoots the guy next to them who slumps over. But Maria and Clouseau are having such a good time, they don't notice.
0: No, absolutely not. They just think that they're two shattered champagne glasses at the exact same time. It's just a
1: funny coincidence. Ha 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 ha. Can you imagine? It's times like this when I think Elka Summer is really, really good in this film, because despite being the straight man for most of the time, because, you know, this sort of thing is really easy to look fake, but I think she is, she is basically doing everything that Peter Sellers is doing backwards and heels in this movie.
0: Hmm. she doesn't take all the 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 pratfalls that he does but when they're mm-hmm. together she rises to his level in in just a mm-hmm. fun and endearing kind of way of again she's not stupid she's not overly naive or anything she's just she's just her i i don't get it it's it's a magic that she's pulling off
1: yeah, it never feels like she is trying to keep up with Peter Sellers here. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they then go to a Tahitian bar with Tahitian dancers and uh, featuring some incredible hula work. It's just absolutely beautiful. <laughs> and uh, the same thing happens. Uh, yep. the, the masked hand, the gloved face creeps out with a silenced pistol, shoots them, they get out of the way in just the time, Uh, the person at the next table slumps over dead. Yeah.
0: And and these are all just innocent Uh, bystanders.
1: Yes! (laughs) Yes! Uh, Finally, they are at a Russian bar where there is a guy doing... uh, Do you know the word for that kind of dancing?
0: Uh, It's not a troika because that involves three people.
1: Yeah. If you think like traditional Russian dancing in fur hats Cossack dancing I think it's called Um, That's what this guy Is doing and everybody's standing in a circle And they're going it's incredible it's amazing Uh, And then at the end of the dance You do a shot of vodka Or like Uh, honestly like Half a cup of vodka it looks like
0: These are full glasses of vodka It's yeah Nasty 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 A shot fine a full thing oh God burn 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 burn
1: oh I remember um, you know those Russian vampire movies day watch and night watch
0: yeah there's yeah. a
1: scene in one of the books where the character cracks open like a tin of vodka and drinks it and it has stuck with me all these years later for how disgusting that is uh, duh, duh. yeah. Um, anyway, back to A Shot in the Dark. Uh, they bring Maria out. She does a dance with the guy. She drinks a big thing of vodka. Hooray! It's hilarious. Uh, let's get Clouseau out there. Oh, no. His pants ripped. His, his, his clothes in this film are sewn together with marshmallows. <laughs> uh, the
0: amount of times he gets things stuck on things and they just easily tear off. At one point... Uh, she grabs his, his sleeve and it just peels right off. And you got to think, okay, <laughs> either the woman has superhuman strength or this guy is going to the wrong tailor. But con- congrats to the costuming department for building clothes that can look like they legitimately tear, but they hold up very well together as well for him to move around.
1: Yeah, Blake Edwards was trying to make a She-Hulk movie, but he was ahead of his time, so he just worked it in casually. And if you if you follow his clues, you can see what's going on. Yeah, yeah. I,
0: I also want to point out that um, the, the the three bar, restaurant, dance clubs that they go to, they're full sets. Like each one is just this oh yeah huge thing, and we do not see these sets
1: for more than five minutes. And these are not, like, redressed. These are different setups every time. Yeah, so just wild
0: that the movie has it written in. Big old nightclub. Look at all this stuff. Different kinds of stages and, and dressings and stuff. How long are they going to be in these scenes? I don't know. Two and a half minutes max.
1: Yeah. Uh, and people complain about how expensive movies are to make. But I'm like, my brother in Christ, you didn't have to do this. I appreciate it, but Mm -hmm. you did not have to do this.
0: Uh, We need more people like Blake Edwards making movies.
1: Yeah. We need just... Everybody glammed up to the absolute nines. uh, And a bunch more musical numbers in movies. We used to be a country. A proper country well yeah when's the last time you saw a movie with three musical numbers that came in under an hour 40 oh gosh Uh,
0: I have no idea actually
1: yeah Blake Edwards your country needs you come back
0: yeah I'm sure Julie Andrews will be fine with some light necromancy
1: <laughs> uh, see that's that's why I could never resurrect Blake Edwards because I'd get to Julie Andrews, and I just feel like I love you so. Much. let me resurrect your husband. Y- your work means a <laughs> lot to me.
0: <laughs> we'll, we'll do our best to make sure he's not rotting.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he came back wrong.
0: Oh my god. He didn't uh, anyway, any musical numbers this... in his movies now. <laughs> we played God. We made something truly unholy. No musical numbers in the new Blake Edwards movie.
1: <laughs> and, and then we realize our mistake bringing him back to life in 2023 as they're like, And Blake Edwards has been tapped to direct the new Alpha Flight movie. Oh,
0: oh no, I see no problems with this. Keep going.
1: Yeah. I realized I made my mistake when I selected Alpha Flight.
0: Yep, you did.
1: Blake Edwards directs Spawn. <laughs> oh my god, can you imagine?
0: That would be like, and the new Paw Patrol movie is being directed by Hitchcock. I <laughs> just. Yeah
1: we decided to make a dark and gritty Blake Edwards movie
0: (laughs) I love the scene in the new Paw Patrol where the lady gets stabbed a bunch and we just slowly zoom in on her eye (laughs) as the dogs howl in the distance
1: yeah there's a real psychosexual energy to Paw Patrol now (laughs) Remember, all corgis are bastards. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> uh, we we are we have both had weird weeks. This is a weird one.
0: This is yeah. This is a very strange week for us.
1: Yeah. Anyway, uh, but this uh, this masked figure, this gloved figure. Uh, decides to poison the vodka that Clouseau is going to drink at the end of his dance, but because his pants rip, uh, he is escorted off by, uh, by Maria, and the dancer, the Russian dancer, decides he has to finish it, drinks down the vodka, and goes, a group right at the camera.
0: Mm-hmm. Dead, 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 dead ski.
1: Uh, Clouseau realizes that he is in the final act of a murder mystery, and he has to act like it, so he gathers everyone together in the parlor to describe how he knows who the killer is. He does not. He is just hoping that the killer reveals himself here.
0: (laughs) Again, cishet white man confidence.
1: Yeah. (laughs) And, uh, And just annoys everybody in the room, Basically, until they explode and they reveal that it is a murder on the Orient Express situation. They all did it. The only person in the house who is innocent is Maria. <laughs> he was right the whole time. Now,
0: my my only problem with this is I think this ending would have had a much better punch. A, a better... Like, it would have been funnier. I would have been more invested with it if we knew who any of these characters were.
1: Yeah. George Sanders is the one we see the most of, and he still doesn't have much of a character besides, like, Rich.
0: Yeah. Like, I I would not be able to tell you what any of their names are. Uh, I might be able to guess what their occupation in the house or their relationship is, but that's it, right? They're just people in a house if we had had scenes of clouseau interrogating them or more of their interactions outside of it but this is why i feel like the the film's just a touch weak because there's so much time in between all these scenes of just watching clouseau fuck shit up and when i say fuck shit up, i mean like simple simple stuff like uh i'm spinning a globe and my hand got caught
1: in it for some reason, mm-hmm. are you familiar with the source material for this movie? Uh, not Murder on the Orient
0: Express, is it?
1: No, no, it is um, two different plays that are not that do not have Inspector Clouseau in them.
0: They oh. are like
1: murder mystery plays that they put Clouseau in. So I feel like both the opening shot and the source material. Um, would have had a lot more to do for these characters that all get got excised for Clouseau and Sellers.
0: Hmm, that's interesting. Yeah, it, it's just I feel like I'd be more involved in the plot, and and the culmination at the end. Again, if we knew who any of these people were. But instead, the the film has just solely focused on Clouseau and his escapades.
1: Yeah. Um Like you said, we were both clearly very like, ooh, look at this sassy brunette lady. We would love to see more of her. Um, but she doesn't get much to do. Uh, her actress is Tracy Reed. I looked her up. She was very successful around this time. She was also in Dr. Strangelove and stuff like that. Like, she this is the weird movie that we stumbled into where there are two great female leads that actually had very fulfilling careers. Mm-hmm. It's nice to see. Yeah. Um, but they all basically murdered these people because of blackmail or mistaken identity, or they thought that they were going to leave them or something like that it's just this cascading set of affairs and blackmail and stuff like that as they begin to fight <laughs> Peter Sellers sort of extricates extricates himself from the crowd and does a mug to camera that I don't know if you had the same thought as like oh he's the Muppet he's the <laughs> oh, Muppet in the movie he's the only Muppet
0: no, no, I, I would argue that uh, Dreyfus slowly muppets himself. M- mm, Dreyf- yes. Dreyfus starts as like a Sam <laughs> the Eagle and then goes full muppet by the end. Yeah.
1: <laughs> but yeah, we talk a lot about being the only human in a Muppet movie, uh, whereas you and I have had the honor of watching a movie where there's only one Muppet or two Muppets <laughs> and everybody else is human.
0: And nobody comments anything on it. You know what? I would take this being remade with just one Muppet in it. I think that would be hilarious. Yeah.
1: <laughs> it's really the only way that you could do it, right? Because Peter Sellers looms so large. You, they they may, clearly made the decision that you can't have one of these movies without Peter Sellers. And if you were going to remake it, it's the only thing that makes sense. For the Muppet logic that this man is following throughout.
0: (laughs) Uh, Complete with silly accent.
1: Now, the problem is earlier, uh, Clouseau had arranged with Hercule to um, turn off the lights at a certain point for his grand reveal. Um, However, he did it right after everyone reveals that they are the murderers. So when the lights go out, they panic and they run out to Clouseau's car Dreyfus has snapped at this point and placed a bomb in Clouseau's car. All of the murderers fit into this tiny French car, drive off, Dreyfus runs up to try to stop them, and there is a massive off-screen explosion. All of the murderers are wiped out from the movie.
0: It's a movie with an insanely high body count for what it is.
1: Poochie died on the way back to his home (laughs) planet
0: oh god
1: and that's it that's basically the movie um despite the fact that everybody confessed to murder Dreyfus still thinks that uh, that they were all innocent Uh, he is dragged off by Hercule Clouseau and Maria have a big kiss and then Cato attacks them
0: (laughs) the end (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's uh, it's not about sticking the landing in these movies it's never the like ah yes we solved the murders the murderers get dragged off to jail happy endings all around justice prevails no that can all go fuck itself if there's a better joke to be made
1: yeah absolutely
0: yeah what if uh, all the murderers... What if we did a murder on the Orient Express and uh, then just killed everyone?
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but it's it's the rare film that gets away with it because this is exactly the, the level of um, danger that we have been playing with for the whole movie.
0: Yeah, yeah. All the... Uh, well, there's just... There's so many murders. There's... What is it? It it must lots be lots of juicy murders. It must be about fourteen people die over the course of this film. <laughs> yes,
1: because I think there are four initial murders, and then yeah, like uh, six to eight people die during Clouseau's <laughs> investigation. Oh my god,
0: it's great! I love it.
1: Now I want to ask what you think of this. We discussed this briefly at the at the top. Um, but now that we've actually discussed the whole film, how do you feel about them deciding to change this from like a heist film that has Clouseau in it to Clouseau films?
0: Um, I think it, it it makes an odd kind of sense because, like we said in the previous Pink Panther movie, Clouseau was only meant to be there as like a comic foil to the erudite. Um, God, Peter Niven, right? Mm, Yeah. That it it was meant that, ah, yes, he's suave, and he's charming, and he's dashing, and oh, look, here comes this bumbling guy. And Blake Edwards was just so taken with Peter Sellers' performance as Clouseau. He was like, oh, no, we need to write more scenes for you to just do your thing, whatever it is. Fuck around, find out People are gonna love it And then for the movies to then pivot into Oh Everyone loved you Let's keep going with this
1: It's the Falstaff thing, right? Once you introduce Falstaff And Falstaff becomes your big funny guy And then suddenly Falstaff is in The Merry Wives of Windsor for no reason
0: Well, you know, that's because he, He went there when he really shouldn't have (laughs) But now that it's in the original text We can't undo it So we just need to make sure that false staff Doesn't show up in any more texts Exactly Mm -hmm. So with this film Now having two of these under our belts Would you want to continue With the Pink Panther films
1: yeah, I um I'm biased, you know, I really like this aesthetic that they are achieving in these movies. More so in the first one, but uh, definitely still in this one. Um I think that these movies are a lot of fun. I am not looking forward to the racism that I know is coming. Um but I also find it very endearing. I guess this is just a Blake Edwards thing actually. Blake Edwards is really good at letting female comedic actors give a go in his films as well. Like, we've never seen one where it feels like um, the female characters are second fiddle. Um, And I really appreciate that, especially in movies from the 60s, 60s, 70s, and 80s that we've seen of his.
0: Yeah, I... Yeah, I think if anything, Blake Edwards may just be a director that we keep coming back to. Anyways, uh, he's just mm-hmm. he's got such a large body of work. Uh, have they? They haven't done uh, Blake Edwards on blank check, have they?
1: No, they have not.
0: So maybe this is our thing to pick up and move forward with. That we'll be. I don't know. Maybe we'll work our way through all of Blake Edwards shit at some point
1: that would be fun I, he he is a comedy director whose work really really stands up which is not the case for most people Hmm.
0: I mean uh, just looking on IMDB it says 55 but you know there's a bunch of TV shows mixed in here as well mm-hmm. but yeah Got all kinds of stuff. This happy feeling. You know, all of the Pink Panther movies. uh, Breakfast at Tiffany's. I'm sure you'll have much to say if we ever do that. (laughs) Oh, I've got some things to say about Breakfast at Tiffany's. Oh, yeah, I know you do. But, uh, yeah, there's just... There's so much in his oeuvre that... I don't think there's a. There, I don't think there's a problem, just trying for a bunch of different uh, Blake Edwards properties.
1: Oh, and uh, this didn't come up at any point during our discussion, um, but the screenplay was co-written by William Peter Blatty of The Exorcist fame. Maybe that's why there's such a high body count.
0: <laughs> he just loves murders. I'm so sorry
1: murder 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 till you can't murder no more
0: and all the liquid dish soap you could eat
1: (laughs) do we have anything more to say about a shot in the dark before we head to the big question
0: uh no i i enjoy it i think this is just a fun time i think this will be far better received if you just watch it with a whole bunch of people at once uh, I'm sure a theater mm-hmm. experience would just be tremendous for, for these kind of films as well. But uh, la- later...
1: Oh, yeah. If I saw this, the
0: yeah,
1: uh, the serotonin and dopamine I would get from watching this in a theater would have me, like, floating out.
0: Yeah, like going to the Mayfair, or the review, and, you know, seeing this with another yeah. film. But, yeah, yeah. That's, so,
1: that's Sam... Mm-hmm got to ask you. Yeah. Is a shot in the dark camp?
0: Uh yeah, you know what? I'm I'm going to say it, yes, because it's it's playing with the tropes. Yeah, it's comedy, but it's doing so much inversion of very specific tropes like allowing your female lead to be just as funny and just as present as your male lead. Right. Having him muppet his way through an entire Mm -hmm. film (laughs) and and knowing, knowing he is a buffoon. Like at no point in the film is Blake Edwards trying to make it trying to do like the Ryan Reynolds thing of like this guy's a buffoon, but he's also fucking great. Right. Mm
1: -hmm,
0: Yeah. This this is no Clouseau's a buffoon. That's it. (laughs) <laughs> but you like him, which is nice, but yeah, he's he's not mm-hmm. great. Uh yeah, I th- I think it's it's camp. It's a very low level of camp, but just in a nice in a pleasant kind of oh. Yeah, this is fun way. How about you?
1: Yeah, I'd agree. Um it it reminds me of fan fiction in some ways where it's like I like this concept. Let me put my blorbo into it and uh and it just so happens that Peter Sellers and Blake Edwards have this tremendously successful comic, Lorbo. <laughs> um, like you say, it's it's not high camp, but um, it's the aesthetics of it all. It's the idea that um, Clouseau has wandered into what would otherwise be like a very sedate uh, Agatha Christie plot. Yeah. And then promptly fucked it all up. Um, it is the full uh, band at the nudist colony. Um, yeah, I, I, th- I, think w- I think I came down on Pink Panther not being camp, but this is.
0: Yes, because it's so much more firmly about Clouseau. It's, um, it's mm-hmm. arriving at the correct answer in a math problem through absolutely the wrong way. Yes! <laughs> right? That, that's, that's kind of how the movie feels, right? How how Inspector Clouseau feels, right? He is successful. He's, he's always, or he generally is, successful in what he's setting out to do. It's just his method of getting there is questionable.
1: <laughs> so thank you, campers nudist campers for joining us today on our exploration of a shot in the dark please subscribe on your podcaster of choice leave a star rating and review where you can because it always helps us to find new people who know who may not know what their camp favorite is
0: yes and next week we will be discussing mr Wright. so sarah you programmed yes, this,
1: this is yeah, this is part two of our Max Landis duology. Um, we previously covered his film Victor Frankenstein, and um, Mr. Wright* is um, another one of my like real comfort movies that I think has a lot in common with Victor Frankenstein. Uh, what do you know about this movie?
0: All I know is it's got Sam Rockwell and Andrew Kendrick. I very much enjoy Sam Rockwell He he's an actor who tends to play himself but I'm never upset that he is there playing himself because it, it's always just like oh a delightful Sam Rockwell will he dance in this movie does he do a Sam Rockwell dance
1: oh boy yeah this movie is built around Sam Rockwell dancing when I tell you that it is an integral part of the plot
0: Oh, hell, yeah, yeah, that's the kind of person that you you do because he's he's just got that distinctive way of moving. Um, and he's so he's charming. I, I don't think I've ever hated a Sam Rockwell performance, right Ev- Everything he's been in just great. And Anna Kendrick, she's so charming. she's has such a big personality and she can play so many different modes of person but both both of these actors are very much who they are in most of the most of the films that they're in they never really stretch into other modes but they're not actors that when i see that i go oh god this again right they're not pulling a bruce willis for the last 20 years Mm. Which no offense to Bruce Willis In his later years of that Where yeah we we understand what happened there But there was a period in like the 20 uh, In the early 2000s To the early uh, 2010s Where it was just like, okay Bruce You're just phoning this in
1: Yeah Mm -hmm. So The Nicolas Cage paying off a castle Part of one's career
0: I like both of these people I'm excited to see what Any of this has to do with Anything, I have no idea what the plot is. I remember seeing a gun on the poster, but that could be anything.
1: Yeah, I will tell you this is a rom com, and uh, Tim Roth is also in it. Oh man, I love I, Tim I Roth. would slightly disagree with you. Yeah, I would slightly disagree with you. I think that Sam Rockwell is a very talented actor. I think you never, you never forget that it is Sam Rockwell though because of like you say his mannerisms. He doesn't he does not truly disappear into a character. I think he's still a very good actor and if he is listening, I think he should call me.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, Anson Mount's also in this. I love Anson Mount.
1: Oh, I I don't think I've seen this movie since I knew who Anson Mount was. So I have no idea who he plays. I'm I'm excited to see it.
0: Ooh, exciting for both of us, but you, our campers, our audience, can continue the discussion on our Twitter and our Instagram. I am at Rhys Indigo, all one word, R H Y S spelled the Welsh way,
1: and I am at Sour Citrus Lady. You can follow the pod on at Is It Camp Pod. Until next week, wait now before swimming, watch out for snakes, and stay camp. Bye. So, Sarah,
0: uh, you, you appear to have a little bump on your head. It's just there. It's a little bump. What you think? Like it. Not too camp? Okay. No, not the way you do it.